Hi, I'm Patrick Pond, CEO and founder of Fabro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background to this show is that Fabro customers are some of the most innovative companies in the world. Enterprises wanting to be more agile, software as a service companies scaling fast, and game developers and publishers wanting to master live ops. So we get to know some truly inspiring leaders in product development, marketing, operations, sales, executive management. And what we do here is that we interview them about leadership so we can all learn from them. Let's go. And we are live with uh, Jenny from Sumo Digital. How's it going? It's good. Thanks, Patrick. How are you? Yeah, not, not too bad at all. I'm uh, right now in Lithuania. And, you know, today we're going to talk about you know, being a high-performing, you know, tech company in in you know in a world which is a little bit more remote now, and I think it's uh, so interesting to speak with you because you you're 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 kind of like a great um, case of this. Uh, so fantastic personal example. But maybe maybe we can start with you know what it is that you do at Sumo Digital because I you know just looking at your title, I don't think anyone everyone uh, intuitively understand what it means. I know it's sort of like head of learning and development. What is the magic behind learning and development? So really what it's um, around is if you think about building kind of the the brain power behind the capability, the skills, the knowledge, the behaviors to really help to drive um, projects forward and obviously the developers within that. So really helping to facilitate and design discussions, workshops, coaching, really helping just to bring a lot of um, capability into to stretching people's minds for growth and uh, you're, you're quite um well i was about to say you know you're quite a large team but when i said that i, I, I was simply just thinking about the number of uh favorite seats you have you know with a team but i guess maybe you're part of like let's say a bigger team yes so i'm part of the broader hr team so if you think about it we have hr recruitment learning and development so within the learning and development team, there's five of us, and then we have a big recruitment team, and then we also have a big HR team um, as well across all of our different um, countries where we have studios. And, and I think that makes it a bit uh, extra cool to have you, um, you know, on, on the show today because you know quite often, um, you know, the people that we have on this podcast, you know, are are more in the say, you know, the, the the product part of a of a you know, SaaS company or an enterprise or a game company. And, uh, but, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of good initiatives around, you know, working in a more modern way in, in, you know, every part of, of, of companies today. So, so this is a great case. Internet connection is kind of what you need now. So I think as we start to move forward in this remote world, um, then all of those things, if you, you know, I think particularly within the learning and development sphere, a lot of what you were doing was in person, workshops were in person, coaching was in person, facilitation of brainstorms were in person. And I was thinking, how can you create that collaboration and that learning to take place remotely? And how can you start to, you know, manage your teams remotely as well? And an interesting transition happened where actually we found more people were actually starting to engage with learning initiatives. And um, of course, there's an element of you don't it's so much more accessible. I haven't got to think about how I'm going to drive there, train there, get there. You know, none of that. All of those logistics, all of that headspace has been taken away. Um, so actually, we found out there was even more demand for, um, for particularly like learning and development. 
but also the ways that like the tools that started to come to market in terms of how to then manage that collaboration and ideation and all of those great stuff that you would normally do in person we were starting to be able to learn ourselves and start to embrace but then those were in place and it was like pandemic's finished but there's well hopefully but there's um there's a lot of great things that we can now take from that let's take the good and um and go with that so yeah so I'm in Portugal the rest of the team are in um in the UK they also work remotely and uh we meet about we do meet we meet about once every six weeks once every two months because for me it's really important you know results ultimately are driven um through relationships so kind of if you think of this triangle as you move forward in a in a remote world you've got kind of like the least amount of um relationship is maybe through an email and then you move up the chain to a to a good old telephone call if you if you can ever remember that phones actually used to be used just for telephone calls and then you move up a layer to kind of you know uh this kind of conversation and ultimately the most intimate relationship is then when you're meeting face to face with people so we try and move up and down that spectrum so it's not too much and it's not too little but ultimately we still continue to get the results through that really considered manner as well well there's been quite a lot of in the media recently uh, around uh, uh, some companies want to get back into the office, but uh, it doesn't really um, work uh, because people say, no, my setup now is simply better. So, you know, I'm, I'm just going to stick with that. Um, and, well, firstly, do you think that, um, well, has that, has that been, I mean, I, I guess maybe you're a case of this, right? And do you, do you, um, do you think we will see companies more and more maybe embrace this? Uh, I mean, I was, you know, when we ourselves are recruiting, I mean, we're looking in a lot of places, you know, including Portugal, and and it's, it's, you know, it's not an issue at all. Um, but if we would have been uh, entirely focused on only, um, you know, where someone would be willing to move, you know, to the office. Uh, it, it would have limited uh, the pool of talent that, that we could uh, we, we, we could get, right? So do you, do you see that? I guess my question is this. Do, do, you, do you feel like, okay, um, okay, pandemic, you know, hopefully over, uh, you know, kind of cut, and now it's going to be, okay, some of the things that we did during the pandemic will stay. Um, or do you think that the, this the pandemic basically set some things in motion that's going to continue to develop now. Do you think we will see the generation of this this kind of way of working? Yeah, I think it will. I think, you know, each person views the studio space differently. So whilst before it was, I am going to work, I am going to work looks like lots of different things now. I'm going to work might be sitting here now in my, uh, you know, in my kind of bedroom office and having this call. I'm going to work, might be going on a walk while I think about things. That's now okay. I wasn't okay before. It was going to work. We're sitting in a studio at your desk and, and all of that creativity had to be done in a certain, you know, box. And equally, it had to be done in a box that, that a lot of the time was geared towards those that had an extroversion preference. So you have to not only have your best ideas in a space, but you're also going to need to do it in a space filled with other people with quite a lot of noise and quite a lot of distractions. And you're going to have to do your best work there. 
And I think that's one of the things from this is that people were doing their best work in lots of different ways. And rather than the place and the hours, it was about what is the optimum output and people taking that responsibility and accountability because there was no one to manage that. There was no one to look over your shoulder. And that's great. That freedom that came with that was immense. And I have to say, for me personally, probably the one, one of the most stressful things about my job was getting to and from my job. You know, I have, uh, yeah, I have two children. Um, so I used to get up at 6.30, leave by 7. My eldest used to hate that she would wake up and I wasn't there. So she literally, she used to sleep outside of my bedroom. Uh, she'd wake up in the night. She'd come down with her, with her duvet and she'd sleep outside my door so that she didn't miss me, you know, leaving in the morning. I don't have any of there's none of that anxiety in her anymore. I'm always there at breakfast time. Um, you know, kind of once I finish again, I'm able to just be there. It might be that we're having a call like this and they're watching some TV and afterwards I'm able to like go, you know, have an interaction for 10 minutes. My husband takes over. There was a lot of that. We also within our family um, as well. One of the great things is that we've got a better demarcation of roles as well. So I think particularly I feel as a as a woman in the workplace coming, you know, having taken maternity leave twice, taking on that responsibility, you fall into that role and you carry on that role. You carry on that mental headspace. Couldn't suddenly everybody was at home. Everybody was in the same environment. You're starting to see exactly kind of all of this. So we, we started to make real demarcations. OK, who's going to do the homeschooling? Who's doing the homework for which person? Who's doing the cooking? Who's doing the cleaning? And again, those demarcations have also then carried forward. So I think we're both then clearer on our roles and responsibilities. But equally, that then helps me to perform better in my role at, at work as well, because I haven't got this extra whole load of other full time job that is going on in my head all the all the time as well. So I think those are the elements that it's like those are the good um, that we don't want to uh, take away. And also for those that do have. Um, particularly an introversion preference, where actually time to reflect, time to think, time for space and clear and minimalist environment is where the best work will happen. And that's not necessarily in a studio. However, saying that there is nothing in, you know, there's nothing currently in this environment here that is telling me anything about the brand of where I work. There's no emotional connection around me that gives me an emotional response. So whilst when you go into a studio, you'll have, you know, they'll be thinking about the colours in there, thinking about the branding, the layout of how of how things are going to be for, you know, optimum collaboration or and also the colours are going to tell you something. A sign on the door will tell you something. So all those signs are not there anymore. None of them are there. So, and I go into my computer and I might be on Outlook, that's Microsoft. Again, that's not, that's nothing is telling me about my company. So also thinking about this um, onboarding process with your people. So one of the things that we're really considering is, okay, you think really loads about the physical architecture in a studio, in a, in a physical space, you really consider that. Where's the door going to go? Where's the people going to go? What's the paint going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Thinking about the digital artifacts are now just as important because when people are thinking remote first, 
it's what are all the implications for that? What are all the implications about the relationships? What's all the implications about that emotional response now to the company that I'm now working for? Um, and it's threading those in. And there's so many things that you can now do with all of that, which is incredible. So it's just now there's extra considerations. So it's the stuff that's good, keep that, but then the extra considerations as you move forward. Okay, so one of the things you said, you know, you well, there's there several things you touched upon here. So um, one thing I found very interesting, you know, you said, um, you know, people with an, with an introvert preference. Um, and especially, you know, for us who, who, who are in tech, um, I, I don't know the exact statistics, but, but um, my gut feeling would be that there's a higher percentage of people with, with an introvert preference in the tech industry than compared to, to some other industries. Um, so in, in, in one way, um, I guess that would mean that we're almost getting a little bit better. You know, we, we're creating a more inclusive environment you know, for, for, um, for, for, for the people who actually are in our industry. Um, can you speak a little bit more about you know, what, what this you know, means in terms of you know, cultural leadership? So, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's interesting, actually. So I did I did a workshop recently with our HR team. And one of the one of the things was looking at. So, um, so this personality uh, sort of type preference is called Myers-Briggs. So we were sort of, you know, using this as a base for facilitating thought around how we start to work together as a more remote team and as an international team. You know, we've got people in different time zones as well as in the in the UK. So. Um, so one of the things that we do is we have a look at, okay, so you, uh, getting people to understand where their preferences lie. So did they have a more extroversion preference or an introversion preference? And then one of the activities that I do around that is then set those te two teams off to go, okay, you're now setting up a brand new studio. So what does it look like? You know, what are you going to do? And so, you know, give people maybe 10 minutes to go do this with lots of different magazines that they can like cut things out from. And every time I run this, every single time I run it, it doesn't matter what the team, you know, all different situations, those with the extroversion preference get straight to it. They're, you know, they're, they're cutting straight away, kind of within the first minute, there's already things stuck on there. And so after a couple of minutes, I always stop. And I say, okay, just stop, just stop. Let's go, just, let's just take a look at the difference right here today after two minutes. So we go and we take a look at the extroversion preference poster and it's always jammed packed already and then we go and have a look at the extroversion pref uh, preference poster and almost always it's empty and this is telling us that those that have an extroversion preference they are thinking their thoughts out loud it's getting into action so as I'm thinking it through I'm going to say it those that have an introversion preference they're doing the exact same process it's just that thought is happening internally before the action gets done. So what does this mean for leadership? Well, what it means is then, okay, you, by the end of it, what you look at is you've got this extroversion like studio and, you know, there's going to be a restaurant and a gym and, you know, a pool sometimes, you know, it's all sorts of crazy. Like it's going to be a la la. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. You have the introversion preference. Again, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Calm scenery, mountains. Literally, like people standing on their own, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to move to the studio. So what's this telling us as leaders is that in your next meeting, it's thinking about how much space are you allowing 
for those thoughts to really take place. Because when we say, okay, you know, what do we think about this next feature? Or where do we think we're going with this next um, milestone? Are you listening to the people over here that are like, a? am going to talk through my thoughts? And how are you allowing space for those that have that exact same process? It's just the thoughts are happening internally first before. So one of the things even that I do, um, again, in workshops, is the great thing with technology is that I'll say, you know, put your hand up or type in the chat channel. And what you'll find is those with an introversion preference are more likely to write than to put their hand up because they're allowing themselves the time to think it, write it. They can delete if they want. And again, it's those thoughts. And then you're able to go to it and say, oh, OK, Patrick, I see you made a really interesting comment. Would you like to explore that more? You've already had that time to reflect on it. It's really important to because you're not getting that diversity of thought otherwise. OK, so uh, so this makes me um, um, think about a couple of things. So uh, it reminds me uh, the previous company I, I um you know, I was one of the founders and CEO. You know, we had we had a very successful business in Japan, and when we had some kind of a conference there, there was a technique that I saw um, the the local moderator doing, and and that was that to put um, post-it notes under each person's chair, and I said, write down your your questions on these notes, and I will collect them and I will ask the question. And first, I didn't understand. I was like, why do they do this? But then I realized it, it's, it's a little bit similar, I think, to this. Is that uh, because otherwise no one would raise their hand uh, because it's the whole, you know, I, I guess it's like a Japanese thing about like losing face potentially. Um, uh, but, but now, you know, they basically found a technique to, to get everyone's, you know, smart questions, you know, out there, um, you know, and, and, and handling that. So, yeah, this this kind of this is like a digital version of of that. So that's great. It really it really is. And just on that, Patrick, I think you know it's really interesting that you say that. Like, what is it? You know, losing face. Uh, face. And actually, it's now you know. Whereas before, our biggest thing was um, you know like looking for food and looking for water. Our biggest thing now is being accepted in a community. And the biggest fear that we face as human beings is shame. And shame looks very different for a lot of different people. So exactly that. It's like it helps that diversity. It helps kind of like, you know, those extroverts will just be writing the questions. They're getting it out. Those introverts get a time to write it out. But also there's no shame. No, no, there's no fear there. So you can ask because there's anonymity there. So I um, we're getting a little bit up on time. But just this one question I really want to ask you, because I think this can be good in the learning for, for everyone listening. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of the tech companies we deal with are relatively new companies. You know, you know the venture-backed, you know, SaaS companies or or game companies. So, as as a as a culture, it's it's quite new, right? And and I I, I would say that in many cases, uh, the culture it's it's quite emergent. You know how how that happens, uh, and that can end up in some very good things, but sometimes you can also get some, um, you know, you know, less good, um, you know, things. You know, from a culture point of view. Um, it seems like you're very deliberate. I mean, listening to you, you have obviously thought through and experienced a lot. And, and, and do you, um, what is the, I mean, going back to the leadership and maybe we can think about, you know, the executive leadership. I mean, what is it that have made you uh, prioritize these things? Because you are, 
I would I would dare to argue that you're more deliberate about how you think around these things than most other companies. As a leader, uh, I think the things to really help to consider are, first of all, as that leader, what is the shadow that I cast? Because there's no blueprint for doing any of this correctly. So first of all, if you can ask your people, when I'm at my absolute best, what do you see and what do you hear? And when I'm not at my best for you, what do you see and what do you hear? So this, first of all, is going to give you a lot of information to help you as your authentic leader. When you're starting to think about then your vision and what you're wanting to create for your culture, there are, it's like a triangle. There are three parts to a culture. So the first are the artifacts. This is like the top of the iceberg. This is all the stuff that people see. So this is, um, you know, like the, in the physical space, it's the, uh, it's the furniture that you choose. It's the games that you create. Um, it's the, you know, if you're talking digitally, it's the tools that you choose to, to engage with. Those are all the things that people see that tells you something about that culture. You walk into a Google office, there's a whole ton of things that tell you about that culture. You then move it down a level. And the next level is values. So these are espoused values that, again, people will see. This is the stuff that you might say, like, we want to be the best, whatever. We want to have a culture of collaboration. Like, these are the things that people will hear around. And then underneath the line is the anchor points and the systemic parts and this is more the kind of the untold actually actually how really things are done around here and one of the most interesting ways to uncover that I find um, which I've done previously is to get a caricature in to come into to come into meetings or to come into social events they start to like literally paint out what's happening kind of systemically within that and you'll start to see speech bubbles and how people are interacting and that tells you an awful lot about the anchor points um, behind, you know, what was the driving? You know, Patrick, what was the driver? You told me the story of the driver. You went to a GDC talk, you heard about culture and, you know, culture is driven through tools. That's your anchor point, right? That's the whole reason for it. And then it's how does that play into the values and how does that play into the artifacts that then ultimately your people see? It was uh, such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, you know, this is, um, um, I mean, we're on season three now with this uh, podcast. Um, we're getting more and more listeners. We're getting very good feedback. Um, and we're also starting to have our first kind of guests, you know, coming back for for like a, you know, follow-up session, like one year later. Um, and hopefully we can follow up in one year on that, that question asked, you know, is, is did, did we trigger some trends that are going to continue and develop now uh, after COVID? I, I would really like to revisit that question with you. Um, definitely that would be super interesting to see where we are a year on from now cool well thank you so much thanks Patrick take care thank you I hope you enjoyed this conversation if you did you know what to do share it in your social media so more people can take part and learn and one more thing check out Favro Academy on favro.com for many more learnings thanks for tuning in